Welcome to Filled with His Love. So, the other day, someone asked me, uh, one time you wrote about how learning is a form of repentance, and could you elaborate on that? So today, I want to talk about learning, repentance, and relationships. So when we learn something new, we often need to discard an old way of thinking or being. Learning at the most fundamental level is a form of repentance. So when President Nelson urges us to repent daily, he's helping us see that we need to learn something new every day. Something new about ourselves, about others, or about God. This kind of learning requires an open heart, an open mind, and a willingness to change. In gospel learning, one must live the principle that we're learning before we can fully understand it. Elder Ballard used to help missionaries see that their goal was not to dispense facts, but to teach for understanding. I would ask missionaries, so when does someone understand a principle they've been taught? Most people understand that substance abuse is not good for the body or the mind. They might be able to explain the reasons why it is so damaging. In other words, they know that the word of wisdom is a true principle, but until they live it, they cannot fully understand it. They need to feel its effects in their whole soul. The same could be said for the law of tithing or the law of chastity. When you live these laws, you begin to see the good that comes into your life. You gain a witness that they are true principles. You come to understand them. If you've been living an unchaste life and then repent and begin to live the law, you see the blessings. You feel closer to the Lord and your relationships with everyone improve. If you've had a problem with greed and then you begin to pay tithing, you feel the power of this principle. You become more eager to share your resources with others. When we were serving as mission leaders, our missionaries taught a woman who had an extreme case of social anxiety. She was afraid, literally, and this was a sad thing to watch, she was afraid to step foot out of her own home, and especially hesitant to face the crowd of people in sacrament meeting. She wanted to join the church, but she realized that she would need to overcome her anxieties if that was to happen. The missionaries kept working with her. She accessed some therapy, and gradually she became more comfortable in groups. It was not a fast turnaround, but she did it. She was finally able to enjoy coming to church meetings. To overcome her fear, she had to give up old ways of thinking and being. Therapy itself is a form of repentance. Repentance is not only giving up evil for good, it's also giving up an ineffective behavior and trading it in for a new, more effective one. Now let's look at what happens when we look at repentance and learning in this way. If I hold a negative opinion of someone, an opinion that keeps me from interacting with that person, I may be limiting myself and denying myself blessings I might enjoy if I could change my opinion. When we were living in New York, my colleague, upon learning that I was moving to Utah, asked, So I want to know how you choose a congregation to attend when you go back to Utah. How will you decide which minister you will affiliate with? I said, Well, in our church, there is no decision. Uh, we attend the congregation based on where we live. Each ward has its own geographical boundaries. Then he said, But what if you don't like the minister in that congregation? Then what do you do? I said, we learn to like him. 
He had a hard time understanding how that could work. But his questions helped me see how important it is to learn to love our neighbor, how central a doctrine it is to our faith, and how essential it is as a way of building up Zion. Elder Bednar gave a talk a number of years ago that has had lasting impact on me. The main point was that no one can offend us unless we allow them to offend us. Here are his exact words. Quote, Clumsy, embarrassing, unprincipled, and mean-spirited things do occur. However, it ultimately is impossible for another person to offend you or to offend me. Indeed, believing that another person offended us is fundamentally false. To be offended is a choice we make. It is not a condition inflicted or imposed upon us by someone or something else. My mentor, when I was studying for my Ph.D., exemplified the principle Elder Bednar was talking about. He had developed an instructional program to help children learn to read, actually to help adults learn to read and to help those with disabilities learn to read. All kinds of people learn to read from this program. The program became widely used in the U.S. and abroad. The problem was his doctoral studies had not been in the area of reading instruction, so some other researchers often attacked him and his program. It seemed to me that some of these negative comments were motivated by simple jealousy. My mentor's critics seemed to wish that they had developed a program as impactful, as successful as his. But no matter how strong the criticisms were, my friend never seemed to be affected by them. He simply kept working to achieve his goal of helping people learn how to read. His programs eventually benefited people throughout the world, hundreds and thousands of people, while his critics remained less successful. Here's the important point about how my mentor dealt with criticism. He did not think ill of those who levied the blows against him. He respected them. He remained on good terms with them, and I believe that his choosing to not be offended blessed them as well as blessing him and others like me around him. He made me want to be able to choose not to be offended. He made it look easy, and that's something I wanted to develop myself. That's something that my friend in New York, when he asked where I was going to attend church, was having difficulty understanding. In other words, he was saying, what if the minister or other members of the congregation offend you, then don't you just leave the congregation? And I explained to him that that's not how things work in our church. So instead of learning how to be critical of other people, we learn how to build them up. Rather than looking for their flaws, we look for their gifts, and then we let them know how much we appreciate their gifts. I've mentioned before that one of the common characteristics of those we sustain as prophets, seers, and revelators is their capacity to see good in others and build them up. They all do it in different ways, but they all do it. So if we have a problem with fault-finding, we repent of it. We learn how to build people up. If we have a problem feeling offended, we learn how to choose not to be offended. Learning and repentance. When we do these things, relationships strengthen. If our spouse says something to us that seems offensive, we learn how to not be offended. If a friend is unkind in any way, we avoid feeling offended. We learn by putting off our old way of thinking and being and trying on a new way. Learning, repentance, and attachment. They go hand in hand. Every time we learn a new truth, that truth causes us to change, to repent. And when we let go of that thing 
that thing that wasn't so good, our relationships get better. My hope is that we can all come to see learning as a form of repentance, and that the more we engage in this kind of learning, the closer we will feel to God and to those we love. That's my hope, and I hope that it might help you and anyone in your circle of friendship. Thanks. See you next time.